This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is your tech news briefing for Tuesday, March 14th. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank shocked the startup world. And while investors and founders alike welcome the news that SVB's depositors would be made whole, the crisis is already prompting changes. Our venture capital reporter Berber Jin will join us to talk about what SVB meant to startups and investors, and how they're changing strategy to avoid these kinds of risks in the future. That's after these headlines. Amazon and Rivian are in talks to scrap the exclusivity part of their electric van deal. Under the 2019 agreement, Rivian is required to sell all its vans to Amazon. And people familiar with the matter say Amazon placed an order for this year that was around 10,000 vans. But that was at the low end of what Amazon had told Rivian it would want. Rivian is now seeking to remove the exclusivity term so it can sell vans to other customers. The talks between the two are still ongoing. A spokeswoman for Amazon said it remains committed to its original agreement to buy 100,000 vans from Rivian by 2030. A Rivian spokeswoman said the EV company continues to work closely with Amazon. And while many of us may take high-speed internet for granted, it's not available everywhere. In fact, the Federal Communications Commission says millions of Americans still lack broadband service, including some in the Arctic. WSJ Pro reporter Isabel Busquette visited a town in the northernmost part of Alaska, where satellite internet has long been the only option. But now warming temperatures are making it easier to lay broadband internet cables under the sea. Melting sea ice is leading to more possibilities for laying fiber optic cables across certain areas of the Arctic. So now rather than waiting hours for medical scans to return or Zoom calls to buffer... People in these remote areas could be surfing the internet at a much higher speed. Companies are vying to be the first ones to expand these cables across the region and bring the Arctic further online. To hear more from Isabel, check out the latest episode of our sister podcast, The Future of Everything. All right, after the break, more fallout from Silicon Valley Bank's collapse and how startups and venture capital investors are changing in response. We're back in a moment. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create.
The fallout from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank is still taking shape, but on Monday, customers of SVB and the crypto-focused Signature Bank got some welcome news. The federal government said it would ensure they have full access to their money. Here's President Joe Biden on Monday morning. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. Now, as regulators look to reassure the public that America's banking system is secure, startups that were the bulk of SVB's customers are looking to make sure they're better protected in case something like this happens again. Joining me to discuss the changes that are in the works is our venture capital reporter, Berber Jin. Hi, Berber. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Zoe. Excited to be here. I want to take a step back first. We heard a lot about Silicon Valley Bank's assets versus liabilities and the panic that led to its downfall. But can you explain what specifically was going on within startups that led to this collapse? Sure. So during the bull market, it was very easy for startups to get money from VCs, and they were depositing a lot of that money into Silicon Valley Bank. And that basically led to a huge rise in deposits for the bank. But once the market turned and startup funding dried up, you saw a very quick reversal of that phenomenon where startups began burning through cash and those deposit amounts were going down very quickly. And it was those fast withdrawals which essentially pushed the bank to try and raise cash and sell some of its bond holdings at a loss. That was what sort of created the perception that the bank wouldn't be able to meet withdrawals, which sort of created the bank run on Thursday in the first place. So now that some of that is dying down, in the wake of all of this, there do seem to be calls for founders to change how they deal with their assets, where they hold their money. What are their investors suggesting that they do? Absolutely. Obviously, this crisis has made founders aware that they need to think really conscientiously about where they park their cash. So investors are advising founders to start A, opening up a lot more bank accounts and not storing all of their cash in one single bank provider. And investors are also counseling founders to make sure that the cash that they have in those banks are insured. The big problem with Silicon Valley Bank is that startups, they weren't thinking twice about the risks of parking millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in one bank account where they were going well over the sort of $250,000 that the FDIC insures, founders are going to be thinking a lot more carefully about their banking practices now. And I think that speaks to just the general instability and vulnerability that Silicon Valley finds itself in. I mean, even a week ago, this is not something that any founder or investor would have been worried about. They would have been worried about being able to break even, finding a path to profitability, finding a way to raise money, The fact that these startups are spending time now making sure that their banking practices are safe and, you know, are designed in a way that'll protect them against vulnerabilities in the banking system, I think that really speaks to the changed environment that the industry is in right now. You cover venture capital. For people who are less familiar with it, often these investors are working closely with startups. Why didn't they raise these questions earlier? Because a lot of startup founders don't necessarily have financial or banking backgrounds. They're tech people. A lot of investors took Silicon Valley Bank for granted. I mean, this was a 40-year-old institution that was seen as 
the linchpin in many ways of the startup ecosystem. They offered all sorts of financing packages that were really tailored to the startup ecosystem. And a lot of venture capitalists also banked with Silicon Valley Bank. A lot of those funds actually had their money frozen in Silicon Valley Bank over the weekend. And so I think venture investors thought that Silicon Valley Bank was this infallible institution that wasn't vulnerable to collapse. I mean, when you think about what is vulnerable in the startup ecosystem, you usually think about the startups themselves. You don't think about these sort of long-time, publicly traded, heavily regulated institutions. Berber, there was a lot of discussion online about SVB as things were unfolding. I want to talk a little bit more about the role that message boards, social media, and just this tight-knit startup community played in spreading the news about SVB. Can you tell us a bit more about that? A lot of that came on social media. It came over WhatsApp group channels, signal channels with founders and investors, just the sort of real-time updates and rumors that were circulating of investors telling founders to pull money. That really created you know, this level of paranoia and fear that precipitated this bank run. It is important to note that you know, a lot of venture firms, they were more conservative in the advice they gave founders. Like as late as Thursday evening, Coastal Ventures, for example, they're a very well-known VC fund. They weren't telling founders to pull their cash from Silicon Valley Bank. They were telling them it's important to diversify, but they were staying away from the suggestion to just basically pull your money out. So it's interesting to think about the different dynamics that are at play where some VCs were a bit more Machiavellian. They were like, there's no risk to pulling your money out, where others were a bit more idealistic. And and those are the ones that actually got burned at the end. Do we expect any of these VCs then to take responsibility or feel any fallout from this collapse? I think there's actually a lot of frustration within the VC community about how certain actors handled the news that Silicon Valley Bank was essentially raising cash and selling some of their holdings to try and shore up their balance sheet. You know, I've talked to venture investors who basically say this is a failure of the tech community, that venture firms should have more conscientiously worked together to try and stem the panic and assure their founders that their cash would be fine and work harder to save an institution that I think everyone thought to be extremely important for the startup community. This is all happening in the context of bigger upheaval within tech. We're seeing layoffs at big tech firms. We're seeing you know, difficulties from startups raising funds before this happened. Can you just give us a sense of what the state of the tech sector is right now? It's extremely vulnerable. It's important to remember that this bank's collapse comes during the worst tech downturn in over a decade. It came at a time where funding for startups has dried up. And so I think the events of the past few days, just the fact that an institution that founders and investors thought would endure for so long disappeared in 36 hours, that's extremely jarring and traumatizing for founders and investors. The bank's failure also just speaks to some of the unpredictable consequences of the change in the macroeconomic environment in the past year. Like the bank's collapse essentially came from a high interest rate environment that was part of the reason why some customers were moving their money out of Silicon Valley Bank in the first place. And it comes on top of, you know, less than six months after FTX's collapse, which was another unexpected event that similarly, like, wiped out a good chunk of the crypto industry, which is obviously very central to the startup ecosystem. 
It's a very fluid situation. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more and more. That's our venture capital reporter, Berber Jin. Thanks for joining us, Berber. Of course. Okay, that's it for today's tech news briefing. But a quick reminder before we close the show, we want to hear your questions about generative artificial intelligence, AI programs like ChatGPT, Microsoft's new Bing search, or Midjourney. And we're going to answer them on an upcoming episode. Do you want to know more about how these AI programs work? What they're capable of? Or maybe what this latest wave of AI developments could mean for how we live our lives? Email us a voice recording with your AI question to tnb at wsj.com or leave a voicemail on 415-439-6482. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening.